hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of No Funk and Strictly Monkin', the only Monk podcast that is spending its time in quarantine, going through every episode of Monk without funking around whatsoever. I'm your co-host, Jay Christie, joined as always by Andre Barrera. Andre, how are you? Uh, I'm great. I'm really good, Jake. Uh, ready to, to meet our boy, uh, Ambrose Monk. Exactly. Now, I'm just going to put the cards on the table. We got like 20 minutes into this, and my computer randomly crashed, so we're going to have to, you know, we're going to probably have less joking around and uh, spontaneity in the first 20 minutes of this because we already discussed this. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm going to ask you again, what did you think about this episode, even though I know the answer? I really like this episode. It's uh, it's top five for me, I would say. Definitely. I, uh, am, uh, I, w- I would agree. I think that uh, the stuff between Adrian and Ambrose Monk is really some of... It's really special, and it's... it's uh, it is really moving and touching, and um, you know it's 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 very human, and it's not super quirky in the way that a lot of the episodes are, and I think that that um, really sets it apart. But uh, yeah, let's just start going through it because, uh, like I said, we've already done this. Starts off with a parade, um, and uh, it's there's like some type of town fair going on in uh, Tewksbury, California. Um, and this guy named who we find out his name is Pat, who's paid by Holt McCallany, McCall- Ma- aka Tench on Mine Hunter. Um, uh-huh, he yep. is dropping all of his rifle tickets, a ton, to try to buy this one cherry pie. Now, when that happened, what did you think? I this guy is a sexual deviant or something like that. Uh, I was just wondering why the hell is he so desperate to get this pie? Uh, but my antenna was up, were up already. Like I'm just like this guy clearly needs this pie for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure exactly. we'll find out. On the first go around, you did reference Jason Biggs. Just want to point that out for the listeners. Um, yeah. And so they they cut to the drawing, and he, an old lady ends up winning the pie instead. And uh, you know Pat is not very happy about it. He follows her to her car. And he approaches her and says, hey, lady, give me that pie or else you get hurt or something or other. She pulls out Mace, yeah. which she somehow has. Maces him in the face. And uh, then he reaches over, drams her against the steering wheel, gets in, and drives away. What a dick. Um, yeah, you know, uh, so we cut, yeah, we basically cut to the, the credits. Or the, yes, the cuts credits. credits. Then... Stavmeyer and Disher are investigating the scene, uh, not in the same place. It's like by the beach or whatever that the car was dropped off. And uh, Monk is there to pick up a check. And in fact, Stavmeyer does not want him to investigate anything. Yeah, no. He he mentions that he wants them. He wants the police to like try to solve a crime without his help for once. Which you know what, commendable. Yes. Uh, and in fact, he actually goes to a not great lengths, but he does actually attempt to try to distract Monk. And how does he go about that? Uh, he keeps pointing out that there's, like, uh, the barricades are off, you know, they're not centered, or, mm-hmm. you know, they're, like, they're crooked, essentially. Which they are. So, in, in fairness, it's not my yeah. yeah, they are, but it's not like they're ever, like, super tight. But, yeah, so so Monk is trying to, like, play it down and say, like, ah, I know what you're doing, I know what you're doing, but at the end of the day, it ends up working, and he yeah. goes over there to try line them. And, and the cops think it's a joyride, um, and Monk is a little suspicious of it because um one i think because he actually points out because there's no tape player in the car which is of course a funny thing to say that like a teenager couldn't steal a car for a joyride if you couldn't play some tunes um i really uh i like to imagine that like leaning over a convertible and being like ah shit man like i've really wanted to steal this car but i can't be uh can't be jamming my my Cre- new creed cd um nah, he's probably, he was probably trying to listen to he was probably trying to listen to some uh some warrant some more ah right cherry pie see now now he's referencing something i said in the first time to first go around good stuff like that i did but monk doesn't agree because the her purse wasn't stolen which fair um but anyway that's not what's important about the scene one monk is fixing the barricade shrona gets a phone call and she puts it against her you know chest and says like adrian do you have a brother and he says no uh and so she says you must have the wrong adrian monk and hangs up the phone and then the phone rings again. And what does Monk tell Sharona? Uh, he says that he might have a brother. He Which means you do. quite sure. Yes, exactly. Uh, and, but she t- he tells her, don't answer it. Um, and so she doesn't. Then we cut to, several hours later, they're back at Monk's apartment, and the phone is still ringing. And um, 
why does Monk not want uh, Shorn to answer it? Um, because he's he's mad at Ambrose. Um, he's he's been upset with him ever since Trudy died because he one uh, he. He didn't go to the funeral, which mm-hmm. we know that he's an agoraphobic. He yes, we learned he has issues. He's an agoraphobic. That's why yes. Sean has never met him. Yeah, so that's the first reason. And obviously, he's not going to be at the funeral for that. No offense, Monk. Um, and secondly, because he hasn't called Monk in as much time either. So clearly, mm-hmm. you know, Monk's got he's got a leg to stand on to be upset with him. Yeah, and I, I think that I really like that it's not like a silly Monk type reason that he doesn't speak to him, that it's not like that he once put the plates in weird or, you know, he didn't clean something right. It's like, oh, no, an actual human reason to not speak to your brother. Because, like, that's a big ask. But I think that never reaching out after, you know, your wife is murdered is honestly a pretty good reason not to speak to your brother anymore. <laughs> like, that's uh, yeah. like, understandable. Um, yeah. But in any event, Shrona, as you might expect, answers the phone and is like, we're gonna, let's let's do this like let's we're not i'm not gonna let you run away from talking to your brother um and th- we end up going to monk's childhood home which looks like a perfectly normal suburban house which shrona remarks is funny because she assumed that she grew up in he grew up in a lab and fair there's a beautiful suburban swing set outside and monk has a very fond memory of this and what what's what does he love what, what's his memory uh he just loves that um not that he was ever on the swing set uh, because he was too afraid. It was like a death trap in his eyes, even at the tender age of whatever age that was. But also uh, to him, the just the experience of watching his father put it together is what really um, crystallized the moment for him. Exactly. Classic Monk fashion. So they walk up to the house and Ambrose is like peeking through the door, as you might expect Monk's brother to. And they open up the door and you notice why John Turturro is perfectly cast. Because you see him and Tony Shalhoub together, and you think. I mean, you just, they, they have the same mannerisms, they look the same, they, they I mean, they just look, they look and act the same. Like, yeah. you couldn't really, um, you couldn't put, I couldn't put my finger yeah. on it. Yeah, because I think that in, obviously, in movies and TV shows, when people try to cast siblings, they don't do it well often, because even siblings who don't actually look that much alike have things that look in common. And it's just, of course, people who aren't related wouldn't actually look related, right? However, they look like... You, if you saw them together, you honestly would ask, are you two brothers? Like, if you... You know what I mean? And yeah. it's not... You could be like, oh, it's because of the mannerisms. The thing is, like, brothers and siblings have the same mannerisms. Like, they kind of... There's just an energy that they have, which so John Turturro really putting in a lot of really good work for just being on one episode of a TV show. Um, so... I really love it. And then there's the bit where they try to hug. And uh, I really enjoyed this because they they, they, they kind of just... I don't even want to say like they just like touch each other in like the chest. Because it's honestly almost indescribable what they do, right? Yeah, it's like a... It's like a, it's like a fake hug mixed with like a... You know, when you come in for a handshake mm-hmm. and you like give them a hug and you just yeah. give them a tap. It's like a mix of that. And it's funny because, like, I love how, like, they know that they should be showing affection for each other, but they have no idea how. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and Stoudemire picks up on it later. Like, it just very much makes sense the way Monk is. Mm-hmm. Like, once you yeah. see this guy, you're like, okay. I think it is definitely the fun and the right move for Monk's brother to not be, like, the straight man, but to be worse. <laughs> like, to be yeah. worse off. Um, so honestly, I'm half yeah. expecting them to have another brother and for him to be normal because that's actually a great idea. Oh, are, are you? Are you? I, who could possibly say? I mean, because obviously their father left as a child uh, when they were children, so you know he could have done anything uh, after he after he left them alone. He could have possibly had a son who looks exactly like character actor Steve Zahn. But anyway, um, oh hell yeah! So that's like season six or seven, so it's wild. But um. What does Ambrose do for a living that he's able to do out of his house? I realize because we didn't mention it earlier, and I have this bit's coming up. Right. Uh, so yeah, he writes instruction manuals for microwave, toaster ovens and, and blenders. blenders. Although he clearly does other yeah. things, because the thing that just comes up is that Shrona finds a uh, instruction manual for an answering machine that she lo- used, and he's like, oh, but you probably saw the typo. And uh, yeah, sure enough, it's in the German section, because... Uh, Ambrose speaks seven and a half languages. 
because he's learning Mandarin. Yeah. Uh, so they're both really smart guys. You know? Yeah. Good for them. And so Sharona's like, hey, I took your, got your mail. You got two of this catalog. Can I take this one? And Ambrose says no. And he starts putting the mail in a filing cabinet. And this is where the episode takes a tur- uh, turn for the sad in a way that I think is good. But why does he save the mail? Uh, he saves the mail because he believes that at some point... Uh, oh, we didn't even discuss it, but he believes that at some point... Uh, his Oh, yeah, no, we didn't. No, we, we just... Uh, his father's going to come it. back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he thinks his uh, father's, father's going to come back. Because their father left uh, when he said he was leaving to get Chinese food. And he never came back. Which is... And that's why Ambrose doesn't leave the house. Which is so sad. <laughs> like, it's just one of those things that just, like, hits you in your gut. It's like, oh... This is a really and the sad thing and the thing that makes you, at least makes me think about it is like oh there are probably thousands and thousands of people in this country right now who are going through something similar, so just think about that next time you want to feel like garbage. Um, anyway, uh, and um, Monk is very aggressive, like hostile. He's like he's not coming back. Like he doesn't. He Monk basically treats Ambrose like people treat Monk, um, where he like has no time for his issues. Where he's like no, you're just being ridiculous. He's not coming back and. Basically, Ambrose is like, oh, but Adrian, do you still live on Pine Street? And Monk's like, well, y- yes, but uh, why don't you come and visit me sometime? And, um, you know, I think this scene's really also really good, too, because Ambrose starts talking about how, like, Monk is the brave one. Um, yes. Actually, before I skip it, there's the line that I meant. This right before we my computer crashed for some reason. I mentioned that I love the line where Ambrose says, you're a detective, you're out there, why aren't you looking for her father? And Adrian responds, because I'm afraid I might find it. Which is, yeah. Oof. Uh, so we know that clearly their dad was not a good guy. Yeah. And it's I, and the, the sad thing is that, like, it's sad that Monk clearly knows it, but Ambrose doesn't. And, like, Monk doesn't really have the yeah. heart to say specifically, like, our dad was an asshole. Like, he left us. Why would you want, why would you care if he comes back? But do we know if he's the older or the youngest? Uh, I don't. I don't really. I think that he might say later that he's that Ambrose is younger, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Because um, okay. Ambrose does come back for another episode once. Um, right. But anyway, uh, yeah. But Ambrose says that he that Monk was the brave one. What are some of the examples of brave things Monk was doing? Uh, I what what was it? I don't remember. That he was going to the store by himself at fifteen. He was driving a car oh, at 24, yeah. and he was going on dates with women at 26. Yeah, which, you know, uh, props to him. Yeah, you know, and and it, it's like, it definitely is, uh, you definitely get a sense of how Monk came to be. Um, I wish you had more insight into his mother, because you get the feeling his mother is uh, the main one who made them like that, especially because after their dad left, but... Um, but no, but it's really funny because we see like a family portrait. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not really, it's sad actually, but yeah. it's funny too. Mm-hmm. It's like a portrait of them and they're all standing like social distance length exactly. from each other. Exactly, pre-COVID. Pre-COVID social distancing. Yeah. Um, and apparently anyway, that's yeah. the way, that's the way that they always were. Yeah. That's as so, close as they got. So, um, Ambrose didn't invite Monk over just to reminisce about the good times because there are none. He invited him over because... He is convinced that uh, that his neighbor Pat murdered his wife. Well, we should mention Pat Van Rankin is yes. the man who was in the beginning. Yes, it is. He is the guy who was trying to bid so much for the pies. Um, and so then we go right. up to Monk's old bedroom, which is nothing like you'd expect, right? You were kind of surprised. Yeah, no, I, I was. I mean, there's like a 49ers like banner, like little thing. It's a bunch of little rock and roll posters thing. and records, and super generic posters. But yeah, yes. and Sharon is like, "Oh, I didn't know you were into the Who." Um, and it's like in the 49ers, you know, like, uh, and Monk's like, "Yeah, I love the 49ers. One of my favorite bands." And it dawns on Sharona that like she he just has all the stuff because he wanted to fit in. Um, yeah, it's just it's really tough. It's really sad. And, and I think it's because especially because. Monk in the current day is not really concerned with fitting in, so you kind of get the impression that, like, it, it didn't work, so he kind of stopped trying at some point. Yeah. Um, but while they're in this room and they can see the neighbor's house, Ambrose describes why he thinks there was a murder, that he heard screaming, and then he heard uh, 
four shots from a nine millimeter from a gun company. I don't remember, but Ambrose wrote the manual yeah. for it. Um, and then he heard uh, the truck leave, even though uh, Pat says that it's been broken down all summer. And yeah. uh, I think that that's it, right? That's all he has that makes him think it's a murder. Uh, yeah, like right for right then. Yeah, they find a little more later yeah, on. Yeah. But yeah, um, in this scene, yes. And Sharon, of course, asks, why didn't you just call the cops? And uh, why doesn't he call the cops? Uh, because they stopped responding to his calls because of his frequency of calling. And yes. so he wanted... Uh, of his complaints. And as a matter of fact, he wanted to file a complaint about their lack of following up on his complaints. But they just won't answer his calls anymore at all. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. So... They leave, Monk ends up being like that stupid, and they leave the house. And Sharona gives him a big hug because Sharona now realizes that her family looks normal in comparison to his. Um, which you know that's great. But the funny thing too is that like you never really get the impression that Sharona's family is that weird. Like obviously Gail gets like you know accused of murder in an episode, but it seems like she has a pretty normal family unit, for all things considered. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although I guess everyone thinks their family's crazy, except me. But I just you know, it's almost like I'm. I, it's almost like I was genetically and uh, engineered. I was intelligently designed by God to have the most up, uh, generic upbringing. So it's, I'm probably the exception of the rule. Um, do you ever wait, Andre? Do you ever say just casually like, "Oh yeah, my family's so crazy"? Is that something you do? Uh, yeah, probably. Okay, because my family is so so incredibly not crazy, in a way that is like honestly a little disappointing. Um, like, some of my extended family, you know, obvious, but then, like, immediate family, it's like, you know, we're all pretty level-headed. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, except when it comes to loading the dishwasher, Visa be my dad, no. Um, I, I think all dads do that, though. Um, shouts to all you dads out there who have a particular way of loading the dishwasher. Um, your family will never understand Shout out, Shout-outs to all you dads who had dishwashers growing up. Wow. I mean... That's fair. I, Check I your privilege, Mr. Christie. I apologize, but I also don't think dishwashers are, like, that's not that, <laughs> like, that's not that crazy of a... No, funny enough, my house had a dishwasher, but it was broken, and no one ever fixed it, so we just kept plastic bags in there. Ah, yeah, no, um... That's I, a Hispanic thing to do, because, like, we like to wash dishes. Yeah. I like to wash dishes, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't mind washing dishes. I was just going to say, like, because for the first nine years of my life, we lived in, like, the downstairs unit of my grandmother's split-level home. And it's like, we've had a dishwasher then, so it's like, I'm not, I don't know how privileges I've had. Yeah. I mean, in the apartment I lived in in Jersey City, we had a dishwasher. <laughs> um, but anyway. Motherfucker. What? I don't know. They're not that recent of an invention. Um, I know, I know, I know. I'm kidding. But anyway, uh, Monk, as they leave, he, you know, he, he can't help himself. You gotta do his due diligence. Um, uh, by the way, idea for a sketch character anyone wants to write. A guy who can't help himself from like following things to their bitter end, and his name is Dewey Diligence. But anyway, um, he notices, he looks at the truck, and he sees a clue, which I like clues in crime shows or crime things, where when the clue is pointed out to you, you're like, oh my god, that makes sense, but you would never think to look at it, look for it yourself. What's the clue when he looks at the truck that he notices? Uh, that the grass below it? Is it the grass? It's, the thing is, that he said that he says that the truck is never moved during the summer, right? But there is dead yeah. grass in front of the truck. Whereas if it was actually, if it never moved, it would all be under it because the truck would cover right. it the whole time. But it means he didn't park it in exactly right. the same spot that he had previously, which is like, it's like, oh, of course, yes. yeah. Um, so they go inside and knock on the door and basically, uh, you know, introduce themselves. And uh, Pat is like, are you the neighbor? And it's like, no, I'm his brother. It's like, oh, yeah, he never leaves the house. And so they're coming back. Oh, another thing, too, we forgot to mention is that one of the more things about Ambrose with the murder is that his Pat's wife came over to borrow a bag of flour. Anyway, um, yeah. that Monk's like, you know, we'll come over to uh, pick up the bag of flour that, uh, you know, Ambrose gave your wife. And, um, you know, of course, Pat says that his wife's in Argentina because her sister's sick. Kind of weird place to say that she is. Um uh, I don't know. Um, if any of you well, have we a didn't sister see, in Argentina, we don't. We didn't see. We don't. Yeah, we don't see his wife yet, so we don't know. She could be Argentinian. It's true, but is she? I, I, as far as I can tell, she doesn't. At least she doesn't speak with like a thick of. An, well, thick when we see, well, no, yeah, when we see her later, like no, I don't think she is, but she could very well be. She I don't could. Know. Be. I guess so. It is just kind of out of left field that she's not explained. It's like, oh, you know, 
don't know. It's, it's just a weird thing. It's kind of like in order to get your sister. Anyway, um, uh, he, yeah. she actually took a flight to Costa Rica. She's on the same flight that uh, Carol Baskin's husband is. Reference to early quarantine got reference things, guys. Boom, 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 boom. Definitely. It's yeah, cliche thanks. to say, but she definitely killed him. Anyway, um, yeah. so he's also, keep on, he was just benching in the middle of the living room. In case you want to know what type of guy this is, he's got to get gains. Uh, yeah. Fuck a sleeper sofa. He needs that space for gains. <laughs> Man, no wonder his wife like was all on his ass about everything. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> so yeah, but the whole time, this whole scene, like Monk is just like being such a fucking like dick. Like, mm-hmm. come on, man! Don't give up! Don't like give up your strategy or like you exactly. Know. Yeah, because he's, he's, so, he's very is suspicious. So snooping. He's so clearly snooping, and yeah. he's asking probing questions. Um, and uh, you know, he's looking around, and he knows he handles it good at first. Yeah, Pat at first, was, like pretty, like yeah. And it's funny too because I forgot to mention that this recording around. By the way, we passed where we stopped recording, so now this is all original thoughts, guys. You guys are getting uncut stuff, uncut gems, if you will. Uh, but, um, so, Monk, like, in the beginning of the episode, Pat is, like, really cold and so clearly on a murderous path when he's trying to buy the first pie, and I noted how, like, it's, he, why is he not trying harder? Whereas when he's talking to Monk initially, he's very, you know, gregarious and nice. Like, he's, like, he's actually, like, so why couldn't he do that when he's buying the, putting the raffle in for the pies? Anyway, they get into the kitchen, and Monk looks in the trash, and what does he notice? He notices there's one like female slipper shoe. It's like a sandal? it's like a sandal, sandal shoe hybrid. You know one of those things. Um, and yeah. uh, there's only one of them. And Monk is very concerned because whereas people usually throw them out in pairs, and uh, right at this point, Pat is onto them um, because if you just killed your wife and you're throwing out one shoe and someone notices that as a clue and then asks where the other one is, obviously they're on to you having killed your wife. Yeah, so the mood changes real, real quick. Mm-hmm. Luckily, Sharona's able to pick up on it and suggest they take, you know, they get the hell out of there. Yeah, Sharona really should have, like defuse the situation early on, being like, you know, uh, they're both crazy brothers, because it's like it's not that hard to like if if Pat already knows that Monk has a brother who hasn't left his house in thirty years, it's not that crazy to be like, oh, the other brother's also weird. Like, I think that that, it wouldn't have solved everything, but it would have gone a long way for him, for, but there's so many times that Sharona could easily diffuse the situation just by making a joke that Monk's weird, and she never does, so why do I, I would never expect it. Um, yeah. And so, they, uh, they grab the flower and leave, and now Monk is fully convinced that he murdered his wife. Um, and they're in Monk's old bedroom again, and, uh. And like Monk's talking about how the floors were bleached several times, and there was the shoe, and all these pieces of evidence. And uh, mm-hmm. also, oh wait, sorry. When he's talking to Pat, he mentions he asks like, "Oh, we're thinking about going on a hike later. Uh, what's the deal with insert name? I don't remember State Park." And it's like, "How do you know I went to that?" It's like, "Oh, because you have the car thing on your the sticker on your car." And then Monk uh-huh. asks a follow up question, which is this is where he's, Pat starts to catch on, where he asks, "You got there just before closing?" Which is like, "Okay, now you're just." Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, I'm surprised Pat didn't just fuck them both up right then and there. Yeah, exactly. He had he unbelievable gains he was having that he could just punch them right in the face and kill them. Yeah, absolutely. Also, he has, like, classic TV and movie sweat where the sweat only is, like, a foot is, like, down Around the front of his shirt and the back of his shirt. It's, like, nowhere else. Um, but, uh, so, yeah. And then um, they mentioned, like, talking about how he dumped the body at the state park. And Ambrose is, like, he did it by the southern entrance. And how does Ambrose? Because Monk doesn't know why. How Ambrose? How does Ambrose know that? It's because of like, was it sap? Or no, it was like pine cones or something like, like that. It was some type of uh, yeah. Pine cones landed, and they it's, they only grow near water. So I guess the only water in that park is near the southern entrance. So bam. So this just goes to prove to you that like Ambrose is just as good at Monk as mm-hmm. Monk, like yes. in a way. Like yeah, he says things. he should be a detective, and Monk's narrative says like yeah for cases that are in thirty eight feet of this property. Um, fair. <laughs> yeah, I missed that one. I missed that. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Pat leaves the house, and they're like, we gotta follow him. And Sharona, I don't know, forgetting all of her years of medical training, tries to get Ambrose to leave with them as if, like, just like, as if no one had ever tried that before. 
as if no nurse had ever asked him to leave the house before. It's really dumb. She should have tried lining his, like, uh, sweaters with uh, that reflective stuff like Chuck McGill from Better Call Saul. That is true. Although I don't think his problem is with electronics. I understand your point. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's just like, come on. It's like, I, if, it was, if she wasn't a nurse, I wouldn't care. But it's sometimes with Shorna, it's like, it's so convenient that's like, that her character has no idea how me- uh, mental illnesses work. Like, there's no way he was going to leave with her. Like, he's an agoraphobic. He hasn't left for 33 years. Yeah, it was a real tough look for Sharona, but, you know, it's par for the course. So they show up to the fair, and our friend Pat, Bill Tench, Mindhunter, uh, also about to say, yeah. Bill Tench, his son in Mindhunter, he has the fucking devil in him. I'm not a religious person, but that kid's fucking fucked up. Anyway. Oh, yeah, no. Straight yeah. up, pos- that's a demon child. Um, no wonder, you know, no wonder why he was given up for adoption. Anyway, uh, sorry, that's terrible, but also, he took a, a dead child and made him, like, what is it, like, crucify? Uh, whatever. Whatever. Great yeah, they child. crucify like a kid, yeah. Yeah, not great. Not, not, that's what we ate in the baseball and not great, Bob. Um, so, yeah. uh, Bill Tench, Pat, Holt McElhaney, all three names are fine, uh, he's insisting on doing the sack race. Apparently they're out of sacks, but he's like, I'll use this broken one. And he, the sack race starts and, uh, He's not. He's not playing fair. No, he's throwing bows. He's just he shuffling his way up there. Shoves a kid down, which like it's clear enough. Where I feel like in real life, someone would like he wouldn't be awarded a prize. He'd be like you're disqualified. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, but so yeah, but the the key of this is he's not trying to win. Well, exactly, because the main prize is a radio, and I don't mean Cuba yeah. Gooding Jr. It is a like a big you know old boombox, and so Monk is like. Opening it up, seeing to see if there's anything in there, um, and but as what you see is that once uh, Pat gets like t- in the front, he fake trips, and then gets yeah. back up to get second because the first prize is a radio, yeah. but the second prize is a cherry pie. Yeah, and what we I mean, and I don't know if we discussed this, and I don't know if we knew this at the time, but uh, basically there's three pies. That's mm-hmm. that's the yeah. episode. Mr. Monk and the Three Pies. So this is the second event. So, you know, there's going to be a third event, obviously, and that's the one where the most important one, right? Obviously. Because, yeah. It, that's how writing works. It'd be kind of weird if the second pie... I, w- I think that, honestly, that should be something I challenge myself to do next time I do any sort of writing that would involve this sort of plot, is, like, how would you possibly... Obviously, it couldn't literally just be that the second was the one that had it, but, like, if you did the thing where it's, like, you didn't realize at the time that the second one was the one that had it, and I don't know, because I think that it is, it's just always cheesy where it's, like, if there's three, if there's, if, so, if like, there's three boxes that the surprise could be in, it's always going to be in the third one they open, you know. Um, but anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, they end up, uh, so, he ends up getting the pie, and then they follow him back to his house, and they're watching him as he is in the backyard digging through this pie. And I really like this bit. Where Monk is like, oh, obviously he's he's doing that because, and he stops himself. You can see that his plan is to, and he stops himself because he has no clue what's going on. Yeah, I mean, uh, come on, we all knew what was happening. Like, yeah, he, he was, was looking, looking for something, something in the pie. There's no other way. Yeah. So and my my note was like, man, this guy is really obsessed with pie. Um, so yeah, his wife baked the pie, so he's going through it, the second one, um, and then they don't find anything. He mm-hmm. does. I, clearly, he didn't find anything, so that's how we know the third pie is going to be the the key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so they end up going back into uh, to Ambrose's house, and they mention the pie, and that uh, makes reminds Ambrose of something he saw in the newspaper, and he has the paper saved for the last thirty two years. Um, uh, and or plus, we really don't know. And I love how the one from three days ago was on like the bottom of a pile because he has his system is we <laughs> he has some weird system that doesn't make sense. And I love where he says like I am as God made me. <laughs> yeah, you, but you know what? It, it can make sense to me. I can make sense of it. Well, like, no, I guess thing is, if it does make sense. This... It's just like, but why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Fair. Well, the thing is, but... the reason why it doesn't make sense is be, it quote unquote doesn't make sense is because. The only way that would happen is if he wasn't sorting them by date, which is like, why would you ever sort newspapers any other way? 
Well, no, he could be though. That's my point. But how would it be the so far down I the bottom do of the pile? Okay, that's a good point. Because it's also not that's like the way point. bottom. My thing is if you just my thing is if you just sorted every day by the year, you know, like so it keeps stacking up. Sure, but you know, like, is, it's the same not day it's, for thirty two. It's years. not close enough to the bottom where like, it's, right. there's just no yes. way it's actually. Anyway, but the connection is that yeah. he sees in the paper that the woman who was murdered was holding a cherry pie, uh, in her in a photo before she was murdered, and there was yes. no cherry pie. At the scene of the crime. So, they gotta call in the big guns. Our old friend, Leland Stahlmeier, shows up at the bunk household. And, uh... It's all making sense Just a master class from him. A master class yeah. from him. Just gr- great work from Ted Levine here. Um, uh, you know... And you know, he, he thinks... He's like, it's, it's an interesting connection, yada, yada, yada. But it's there's not anything concrete, right? Um, and yeah. you can't really... Do you think... Yeah. Do you think he's being sarcastic or sardonic this whole time? Sarcastic, probably, but I also really don't know the difference that well. Um, you know, like, I understand yeah. intellectually what... I, I can hear the words that Ambrose is saying to describe it, but it doesn't actually... You know, my brain can't really put it together. Anyway, uh, okay. Ambrose gets his coffee, and it's in a mug that says, has the number six on it. And why are the, num- why are the numbers... Uh, why, why are the mugs numbered? Because uh, apparently they used to just uh, they used to line them up a certain way. Correct. So, yeah. And that's not, honestly that's weird, but it's not that weird. Like there's day of the week underwear. I you know, I, I think or maybe that's just something that Nora Ephron made up for her when Harry met Sally. I don't know. Um, uh, or is, is that actually a real thing? I don't know. You you I feel like you know you're older than me. You might know. I don't know. Okay. No, sorry. Now, do you cannot, at least remember why there's no underwear for Sunday? Because that's laundry day? No, because of God. Come on, don't be stupid. Come on. 19, it's a oh, famous movie. okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've seen the movie. I just don't remember it's a great that. great movie. Uh, fun fact, that was the movie my parents saw on their first date. So, uh, And I didn't see it until like last year. Because when I talk about me not seeing movies as a kid, it's because my parents never showed me any of the movies they liked. My dad once said to me uh, about this movie from the 70s, which I still have not seen because like I kind of like, I just, not in spite, but like it's like I don't really feel like watching it. But he was like, we were walking through like Universal Studios and they have all those like... Uh, movie posters and he's like oh it's my favorite movie you ever see it and i'm like dad i'm like 16 it's from 1973 you would have showed me it <laughs> what <laughs> like, is it uh, the sting the sting yeah Never oh, seen i haven't it. seen that but i just love like okay. why have you seen like no <laughs> why would i have seen this thing uh, anyway um so yeah but then stammer makes the joke of what would happen if one of them broke and I really love where Eros is like, my hands were slippery. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sorry, Adrian, did you tell him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I, I, it's every, everything's good about this scene. There's number me. nine. Uh, but yes, yeah, Stottlemyre also mentions that, uh, I don't know why, but he mentions that, uh, what's it called, Van Rankin is a former army sergeant? Right? Well, yeah, because they say that he has a gun. It's like they all have guns, right? And right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. My first thought was like, he's from right. I mean, he might be more prone to outbursts. Let's not be, you know, not sure about it. That was my first thought, but I'm also me. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the portion of the episode where Monk starts laying out like why he thinks it's this guy, or like, no, Ambrose is doing it, or they're both well, doing it. But also, what's important but, though that Stahlmeier says that his wife did actually buy a ticket and did get on a plane to Argentina. That's what I was. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I yeah, that's I what I was getting to. That that. No, 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 yeah, that. It's just, like, he's he's shutting down everything, so he's, like, basically telling Monk that he's wrong, um, because, yeah, apparently a, a, a flight was booked and someone got on the flight. Mm-hmm. I guess exactly. pretending to be her? Yeah. Yes, must be. Also, definitely, like, I think this is, obviously this is post-9-11, but I feel like it's, like, pre-people fully catching up to what airports were like, because, you know, my, uh, my first flight, I remember... I was on a flight when I was two, but my first flight I was a member was post 9-11, so, like, I have no recollection of ever a time where someone could do that. Um, so... Right. Yeah. Um, how was it? Was it nice not have to take off your shoes to fly in planes? Actually, you probably uh, never... Dude, honestly... Because you no, would have still been underage, so you wouldn't have had to anyway, so... Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, True. But anyways, but also, I guess that's it from this, except for we find out what the next event's going to be, right? Yes. Well, and, Monk, and I do love that Stomach says a line, which is, uh, 
it's cer- about the experience. It certainly answered a few questions and raised a lot more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> that's very true. But yes, uh, Shorna looks on the schedule and she sees that the ske- that there are three events that cherry pies were a prize for, uh, and the last one is coming up and it is bingo, and uh, Monk asks, "Is that fun?" And Shorna says, "Yes, you're gonna hate it." Yeah, which is funny because like I love bingo. Bingo is fun. I remember I really haven't played it in forever. We used to play it every year when my me and my dad's extended family would go to the Jersey Shore when I lived in New York for like the first for like ages like four through nine. We drink virgin pina coladas and strawberry daiquiris and played bingo. <sighs> memories. Um, anyway, simple times. I mean, I, I, they are good times. You know, I said memories ironically, but like that is you know <laughs> like that, that's a wholesome memory. Then you think about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But. No. uh we met wide receiver Wayne Corbett there once. Anyway, um, so, I'm, oh, okay, well, you want me to tell that I didn't meet him, but my dad met Jim Fossil, the Giants coach at the time. I, I can just keep, I can keep going. Um, anyway, so, they go to bingo, and I love that Monk, they basically did play, and I love that Monk does not use the markers, because he obviously just remembers which ones <laughs> are, are doing well. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, he but he buys like a million freaking bingo boards. Yes. But so, I think it's so does Pat. That's the thing. Because obviously... Yeah, he's, he needs now, to win it's, this. It's at this, Which point, I, yeah, it's at this point where I'm thinking Pat really should have just broken in and stolen these. This would have been so much easier than hoping he yes. won a game of bingo. Trying to win each event. Because if yeah. he... The sack race, I think, fine... And even the first one, I'm more okay with because like you, you could you know make put the odds a lot in your favor. But Pat doesn't have a majority of the bingo cards, so mathematically speaking, he is more likely to lose than not. Correct. Yes, that's right. And yeah, he could have just stole them. He could have just br- given someone some cash mm-hmm. for a fucking cherry pie. You know, mm-hmm. it was, there's a lot of ways around it. So not the smartest guy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he wins. Uh, Pat does. And as he's getting up, he yes. throws his card back, and all the markers fall all over the place. And that's where Monk realizes what happened. And so he tells Storm to call Stahlmeier, Disher. They rush down. Basically, as uh, Pat is trying to get is trying to leave with the pie, they stop him and they tell him to put the pie on the hood of the vehicle. And and he's like, "These people have been harassing me." Yada 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 yada. Um, and then, um, for the earliest time in any episode, Monk tells what happened and he's 100 right yeah well he's yes. not harmless he's not harmless, but he's mostly right but it doesn't but anyway just tell me what happened well basically his wife his wife was cooking the pies he comes home from something uh i forgot from where it's unclear um, but probably banging another woman based on what we know yes that's true uh and so they get into an argument she starts getting physical she pulls a knife or they for, both for start getting physical yeah, yeah, she does pull a knife at some point, and he, like, tells her, you know, stop, like, don't be crazy, don't make me do this, and she lunges forward, or I don't know if she lunges forward, no, I think she no, does. No, she doesn't. And eh, so that's that's when, unclear. Oh, yeah, so then he shoots her four times, sure enough, and in the midst of all this happening, um, somebody from, I guess, the city or whatever, the people who the do village, the village, yes, they come to pick up the pies, so they catch him in the middle of this whole act. So he runs out, gets the door, tells him, okay, give me one second, I'll, I'll bring you the pies. And in his haste, gives the three pies away. Uh, thinking, uh, and so there's four shots, he finds three of the shell casings, so the, clearly the last shell casing must be in that pie, because that's exactly. the only place it could have been. Exactly. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I think that, that is a, this is an unbelievable conceit for an episode. Well done. I just, it, mm-hmm. it, it's really just like, it is because it's 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 a word that I really didn't know what it meant until the MythBusters use it. But it is plausible. Is it likely to happen? No. Has it ever happened in the history of the world? No, probably not. But no detail of it couldn't happen, and is too, no individual details too far fetched. You know what I mean? Like, yes. and I think that, that that's what makes a great monk plot, where like it all checks out. It's still crazy. But it all is like, okay, this isn't a huge leap in logic that this could happen. So, um, uh, basically, they ask if they could search the pie. 
And he says no. And then uh, Stalmar's like, don't make me get a search warrant to search the pie. And then he's like, what? And yeah. Stalmar says, don't make me say that again. <laughs> yeah. That was so funny. That whole, we'd like permission to search your pie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so they decide, or he, he ends up letting them search the pie, which, you know, bold move by him. But I guess he had no recourse there. Yeah, because, um, exactly. And and uh, I think at that point, he's just hoping it's not in there, which, of course, it isn't. Uh, Estrona is like, it's not in there. And they have to let him go, and they're going to buy him another pie. And Disher has a great line. Do you remember what he says? Great or cancelable line? Oh, no, oh, sorry. No, no, not, sorry. I No, not, okay, let's talk about his cancelable line first, not his great line. He says to Sharona, sorry, I, I was skipping ahead. Yeah, no, it's just something about, like, while she's digging in the pie, he mentions that he's had a, a fantasy. This is his fantasy. But it, and then he quickly says, yeah. and not with pie and not with you, which is like, okay, you might as well be, like, that is like, you don't, that, that's true Helga from Hey Arnold behavior. Like, you're so just tipping how much, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's, it's, it's on the nose. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, but no, I'm talking about how when they have to let Pat go, uh, uh, Disher basically is a standard for the audience, and he says, uh, "Usually, when he does that summation thing, it's all over. We get to go home." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. I did like that. Now, another um, thing I point out so in this scene is that he both looks like, in a lot of ways, and is dressed like uh, Pat is dressed like Matchbox Twenty singer Rob Thomas. If he was wearing one earring, it would be uncanny. Just want to point that out. Anyone who watched it. Like, go on YouTube, watch some, like, old Matchbox 20 music videos. He's dressed exactly the same. Um, uh, so Yeah, I need to see this now. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not proud to say that I've seen a Matchbox 20 music video in the past, like, year and a half, so I do have a, <laughs> an idea in my head. But, you know, hey, they're, 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 they're Florida boys. Um, I don't still support them because, if I remember correctly, Rob Thomas said some super racist shit. But, uh, you know. Um, Did he? I mean, I don't know recently, but I do remember he said that Michael Vick should be hung for what he did to dogs, which was, that's not great. Ooh. Not great, guys. Okay. Uh, okay. Anyway. Um, I used to do a podcast called Sword History, guys. This is, I used to do this every week, and it, uh, you soon, know. Soon to reform. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it always might come back. So they have to let him go, and, um, and, you know, he's really happy. Uh, but on the other hand, it's also like, he's, he's happy, but he's also not that happy because he not, actually doesn't know where the shell casing is. Um, yeah, not only that, but there's still some suspicion, like, exactly. clearly there. Or he knows that someone is on to him more. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And so we cut to uh, Ambrose's house, and Ambrose is, like, setting a table and serving dinner. And this is, like, this scene is a fucking doozy. And it, this is probably the best individual scene of Monk so far, in my opinion. I think it, this is... Yeah. So, first and foremost, the really sad thing that starts off is... You see you see him setting three places. And it's clear that Sharon is not eating with him. And I don't know if you picked up on it. But, like, I think that... I, at least rewatching it, like, I had the realization again, like, oh, wait, that I forgot that third place setting is not for Sharon. It's, it's for their dad. Yeah, I didn't... I mean, no, I did. I did, I did. I did see it, and I'm just like, uh, well, I knew that this was coming yeah. in some way. And he I mean, made it was pasta the, the heartfelt Vera, moment was coming. It's their, da- his, their dad's favorite. <sighs> yeah. And, um, you know, uh, Monk is like, he's not coming back. And, uh, um, and then as Monk... Ambrose admits that that is probably true. Yeah, it's probably true, but you never know. But then Monk's leaving, yeah. and Ambrose says, I love you. And Monk says, like, don't say that. Um, and he's basically like, you know, if you love me, you would have t- called me in the last seven years after my after Trudy died. And uh, then John Turturro just does some, like, acting that legitimately brought tears to my eyes. I was watching it. Um, and yeah. like, what does he reveal? He reveals that the reason why Trudy was in that parking garage where her, you know, where the car got blown up was because she was doing him a favor. She was picking up some cough syrup, you know, as he is not the type. He's agoraphobic, so he cannot go do that himself. So he's been living under the assumption that if he hadn't asked her to do that, that she would still be here, which, you know, 
I understand why he feels that way, but you know, Monk Monk knows luckily, it's not true because he was a car bob and it was already on the car. It wasn't like it was, um, but still. Right, but I like that he didn't even explain that. Yeah, you of know, course he, doesn't he just said no. It's even, not your fault. Is, yeah. Even if it, even if that was the reason, it still wouldn't be his fault because he didn't do anything wrong. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, and they have a hug, which is like really emotional, in a way that like you know I'm, yeah. I'm really glad this episode went to this place instead of just being look at how weird Monk's brother is. Um, that like like I mentioned, I think I mentioned it on the first recording go around that. Uh, Monk's arc in this episode has nothing to do with his phobias. It's just it, this is him just having a, a relationship with his brother, and as someone who yeah, oh, Andre, do you have any brothers or is it just a sister? I forget. Just one sister. Yes, I thought I have two brothers. I have a twin brother and an older brother, and uh, you know I have never had this any big fights like that uh, with my brothers, especially not in the past you know decade and a half. But um, but like you know it really is. Uh, it, I think the thing that it it deals with really well is that I don't I can't speak to other sibling relationships other than brothers, but it's Monk like seems to like really have so much anger and animosity for Ambrose, but like when they're to, in the same room together, it's clear how much he still cares about him, and like that that is the mm-hmm. thing that. He, but he can never put that to words. That like he would never admit that, because he wants to be like I don't. He hasn't talked to me. I don't care about him at all. But when you see them together, it's so clear that he still really cares about him, and he's like you know, for all intents and purposes, probably his best friend in the world. But he can't ever put that to words, and that's why it's it's so hard for him to get over it because he can't just admit to himself that like this person's really important to me. And I thought that that was you know that's honestly beautiful stuff, and that's why. Uh, we watch television, movies, and all that because that stuff's the stuff you like to see. So, shouts to the Monk writers for really doing a good job with that this scene and this whole episode with their relationship. Yeah, I agree. You put it just how I wanted to. So, yeah, it was great. And so now we go to the. I think that this next scene is this is like good. Like this is actually good filmmaking, which is a very rare. Moment. Yes. Yes. Um, and it's not their fault, it's because they're on a basic cable budget and they have to do an episode a week, so as I've said before, it's rare you get really good filmmaking in a show like this, but basically Monk and Pat are recreating the crime scenes at the same time. Um, yeah. And it intercuts with them. And yeah, I, I was, because I, I forgot that it happened this way, and I'm like, I was kind of blown away, like, oh, this is like really cool shit. <laughs> um, yeah, no, me too. It's high, next level stuff. And... Uh, also, it was at this moment where I realized that, not that I would want him to, but if Pat had not uh, disposed of his wife's body, technically speaking, like, I wouldn't want him to claim self-defense, but she did grab it. It, 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 it definitely feels like he overreacted, like, in a way, well, obviously he killed someone. But anyway, um, they both have the, uh, the epiphany at the same time that, oh, the fourth casing didn't go into a pie, it went into the bag of flour. Yeah. Which great. Stuff. So they have this realization while while Monk is uh, in I guess Sharona's place. Yeah, I think so. Or his place. Yeah, yeah, it looks like Sharona's place. Yeah, so that makes him think like, okay, uh, well, I mean, I don't know if he knows that. Well, well, basically, he knows that at this point Ambrose is in trouble. Exactly. Because, because it's oh, it's so, Pat, it's it's any minute now, he's gonna realize that it's in the flower, um, and uh, Pat's gonna realize, and so at the same him. time, yeah. Uh, Ambrose realizes this as well, and he checks the flower, and sure enough, there's a shell casing in it. And uh, Pat, you know, goes over, and uh, he tries to get in, and uh, Ambrose doesn't let him in because he knows what's up. Mm-hmm. But Pat, you know, uh, I just rewatched Knives Out with my parents, and uh, if you recall, the ending involves the line, in for a penny, in for a pound. Uh, so that's kind of where this guy, our friend Pat, is. Where if he's already committed two murders, well, it's a third. Um, yeah. And so he's like, I'm gonna set Ambrose's house on fire because uh, he won't leave. Which not a bad way to kill yeah. an agoraphobic. Although now I think about it, it's probably pretty easy to kill an agoraphobic. You know where they are at all times. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Also, no one's gonna discover the so. Body. Right. So yeah, Monk and Sharona book it over there. Um. Wait, no, who gets their... F- yeah, they get their first. Yeah, yeah, they get their yeah. first. And, and Monk 
hero monk. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna save him. And it's not like there are a lot of times where monk like does something heroic and he's like, ah, I don't know what I'm doing. But he doesn't need to do that. He's like, no, like there's no question. He's no no hesitation. He's gonna save his brother's life because. And yeah. as he's taking him out, he says something that actually you know, like when saying when there's no ramp up to something being sad, where someone just says something sad in a movie, where immediately you just feel like your eyes just get hot out of nowhere, where he says like I can't lose you too. Immediately I'm like, oh yeah, no. <laughs> oh geez, yeah, because oh, yeah, yeah. um, like monks, it's it's so sad. Like it's just, it's just so. It, and I'm of the belief that I think that the saddest things in the world are often the funniest things in the world. Um, I have mm. a long history in comedy. I've written just to have. Uh, I do an old lady voice where I'll just have an old lady just list her ailments for like 20 minutes straight and I think it's the funniest thing in the world because once you get past like five ailments it becomes funny <laughs> um, I don't know uh, I've, I'm, I, it's hard to describe but I swear it's funny to me um, but so he's but Ambrose can't leave he can't he's like it's not like it's it's. I'm trying to think of what to describe like he it's almost like a physical condition that he can't leave yeah no, it's very much like Chuck. It's the same thing. They have that weird, like, woozy vision, and it, like, it manifests itself physically at this point. Like, it's so ingrained in him that mm-hmm. he starts to, like, physically freak out exactly. about this whole situation. Uh, except that Ambrose is fully willing to admit that the reason he's staying inside is because of mental illness and his father, and not some made-up bullshit about electronics. Um, anyway. Right. Uh, so... Um, but if Chuck McGill was still alive right now, he'd definitely be on the... Me- well, he wouldn't be on message boards, but he'd definitely Wait, be corresponding. What? What? Isn't Chuck dead? Wait, in- what? Is He's not alive in Breaking Bad, so I, I assume don't... he's dead. I don't know. I'm only yeah. on season three. Oh, I'm, no, I'm not... I've, I've stopped during season two. I'm just saying... I'm assuming okay. that if he was okay. alive by the okay. end... No, okay. I, I actually don't know. I've stopped during season two. I'm, saying, I'm assuming that if he was alive by the end of the show, he'd be in Breaking Bad at least. And obviously, you know, anyway. Okay. Also, right. let's, like, let's be honest, right. just for the development of the character of Saul Goodman, like, he has to die. I'm just, I, I haven't watched the show, I swear. But Yes, th- yes, yes, anyway. yes, yes. But he definitely would be on, like, talking about how 5G is causing the coronavirus. Anyway, um, that's Better Call Saul talk, guys, in case you didn't pick up on that. Um, but anyway, yeah. that, uh, anyway, they end up cu- just cutting to Monk dragging, you know, Ambrose out, and, uh, this really triumphant moment where Ambrose is really proud. He's like, my brother got me outside. I'm outside. I'm outside. Um, and Yeah, uh, and they catch, and at, this is happening at the same time as uh, the police catch uh, Pat, mm-hmm. uh, you know, trying to, like, I, I guess add more fuel to the fire. Yeah, so yeah. And so they bust him right there, and so that's pretty much it. Like, and I then got Ambrose caught. pulls out a bullet. He's like, I mean, excuse me, the casing. He's like, you're looking for this? Um Mm-hmm. Now, the thing that I thought at this moment is that, spoiler alert, because I, 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 in order to make this point, when we, the next episode Ambrose is in, he's back to being agoraphobic. He didn't get over it. Just FYI, unfortunately. Okay. Um, okay. Which they kind of foreshadow at the end of this episode. Um, so assuming that he can't stay out of the house at long periods of time, in order to convict Pat, Ambrose would have to testify. Because Ambrose would have to testify to finding the casing in the flower, right? Like, there's no, you can't make the case without that. Right. Because Stoudemire can't testify to finding the, ca- the casing there. That's true. So, yeah, Pat probably so, walks. But... Nah, he probably doesn't. Because he, he, he also killed other people, so that's, you know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> and attempted another yeah, one. he tried to kill Ambrose. Anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, just, it's a nice triumphant moment. And then there is the Dana Mall at Trudy's grave and Monk is talking and he says, you're never going to guess who's here. And, uh, you know, Ambrose is there and it's a nice moment. It's, you know, um, not much is said, no, but yeah, and it's, it's a nice it's, moment. It's nice. And like I said, I really, 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 I think I mentioned that the first time we recorded this around, I really love that this episode was not in the first season because it's not, it's much, it's not very jokey. Like it's a lot of, uh, that they, take it very seriously and it's not um it, they, they let it be as sad and as moving as it is and they don't try to uh make it into a thing where they point and laugh at a guy who can't leave his house um and yeah that's for season one only. yeah and not and, and yeah and i think that that's just it, it just makes better television because it's really easy to do the first thing but it's really hard to do the other so yeah that's the episode and i think you could tell we both liked it andre what did you give it out of 10 
gave it a nine. I give it a nine as well. It really is. It's a really special episode. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that it's just great acting too. Like just really great shit from both Tony Shalhoub and John Turturro. Um, John mm-hmm. Turturro's a great actor. Uh, do you remember the first thing you ever saw John Turturro in? Uh, God, it must have been. Was he? No, he wasn't in Bad Boys. Oh God, no. It has to be like The Big Lebowski or something. I know for a fact which the first one is because he was in the first PG thirteen movie I ever saw, which is of course the two thousand two Adam Sandler comedy Mr. Deeds, which I've seen no less than twenty okay. times. Okay. Um, in which of course, uh, he plays the butler who, spoiler guys, turns out to be the illegitimate son of Preston Blake, the guy who Adam Sandler inherits all the money from. So he technically gets all the money. Um, but his whole thing in the, in the whole movie yeah. is that he's, I don't know if you remember, but he's very sneaky, sir. Um, so like yeah. yeah, no, he's... Great movie. He's really good. It's but, not a good movie, yeah. but it's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Uh, check out my new podcast, uh, Needs for Deeds. No. Um, it really sucks, honestly. I just want to say, it really sucks that there's so many podcasts about movies because I just want to talk about, like... And there's cause a lot of podcasts about great movies, a lot of podcasts about bad movies. I want to talk just about movies between, like, 30% and 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. Just, like... Or maybe 40 to 60. Just, like, middle of the road. Like, yeah, it's pretty good. You know? <laughs> Not bad. Yeah. No, I have a ton of I have a, I have a I lot don't of think... thoughts on the 2011 movie The A-Team, personally. And I, where else am I going to share them? How about uh, the the Total Recall remake? I haven't seen that, and I imagine that's probably less than forty. If I had to take a guess, let's see real quick. Now the original Total Recall, Total. Oof, that's a great movie. Um, I haven't seen that in so long. I, I watched it for the first uh, time. Rotten Tomatoes is thirty one per thirty one percent. Thirty one. I mean, one of my favorite movies of all time is in the forty six range, as I've mentioned on multiple podcasts. Big fan of the 2005 Keanu Reeves vehicle, Constantine. Somehow, like a 52. I don't know how that's possible. Great movie. Um, anyway. It's a great movie. We're not here to talk about that. Although, you know, if if you... How about this? If you guys share this podcast with enough people, where the audience for this show gets big enough, where my personal brand gets a big enough audience for me to do that, I absolutely will do it. There's no question about it. Um, actually, now that I think about it, I co-host a podcast about Marvel movies. It wouldn't be that big of a stretch just to ask them to do an episode on that. But that's not here or there. Anyway, that's uh, true. you can follow this show at Strictly Monkin on Twitter. And Andre, where can people follow you? You could find me at Andre Barrera. And you can follow me at the Jay Christie. Um, please keep listening to the show. Retweet it. Send it to your friends. Reblog it. Share it on Bebo, Friendster, uh, Florida Smother, Old Defunct. On di- make sure you dig it. Um, stumble upon it. Friends, yeah, MySpace. MySpace it, yeah. Uh, put our, put us in your top eight. Um, it's funny. I'm so I actually never had a MySpace uh, because I said I didn't want one, but it was mostly just because like I really internalized things on TV talking about like predators on the internet. So I didn't make a Facebook uh-huh. when I was in high school because I mean this comes as a surprise to no one. If it's like Jake, why didn't you do X? It's like because I, I was crippling ashes about it. But uh, I'm really glad I didn't have a MySpace because the anxiety of having to put a top eight. Like, talk about something that would drive Monk crazy. Yeah, Top 8 and the song. I mean, the song, I mean, by the time when I was doing MySpace, it actually would be incredibly easy. For, like, the three years that I was old enough to have a MySpace and MySpace was still around, I would say at least two of those would be famous last words about My Chemical Romance. So that would be, that's actually not a problem. But, uh, anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to tell you, this is, see, this is my... I'm on the intro voice now. What the hell's wrong with me, man? I've been hosting podcasts for the better part of, you know, four and a half years, and I'm still freaking rookie. Uh, anyway, actually three and a half okay. years. Yeah, sure, whatever. Um, but uh, just tune in next week, really, more than anything, tune in next week as we talk about Mr. Monk and the TV star. Let's get monkey. Let's get monkey.